0: Back to another edition of Puck Talk here on ninety one point five WGRE, your sound alternative. Last week we decided to take an All Star break. Break. All Star break, baby, and now back in studio with me is the incomparable Ben Hatchett, my partner. Axe, axe. How are you doing on this Thursday morning? Oh, I'm doing well, Spider Jack.
1: (laughs) Good to be back in the booth. (laughs) Yeah, welcome back, hockey fans. Again, we apologize for our hiatus last week. We needed an all-star break. We were healthy scratches. The lineup is back in the mix,
0: (laughs) and we're ready to go. Let's do it. Let's do it. So first and foremost, let's run through the standings as we always do. Metropolitan Division oh, yes. of the Eastern Conference. Tell them about it, Jeff. and I'm willing to bet that Ben has been waiting for this. The oh, Pittsburgh yes. Penguins have they've done it, taken over first place with 80 points. The Washington Capitals trail by one point 79, and the Philadelphia Flyers hanging in there, third place. in the Atlantic Division, you have the Boston Bruins, Tampa Bay Lightning, and Florida Panthers. There is no stopping the Bruins and the Lightning right now. And in the Western Conference, it's pretty much the same thing, except this time first place is tied between St. Louis and Dallas. Colorado finishing out the third place, and the Pacific Division still in first place and second place. Edmonton and Vancouver respectively, with Vegas coming in at number three. Now, Ben... Obviously, there is a reason that the Pittsburgh Penguins are number 1 in the Metropolitan Division, and that's because they acquired Jason Zucker while we were away. Right. Huge pickup in the last week. Jason Zucker comes in the lineup. Uh, the
1: Penguins finally part with Alex Galchenyuk and move a couple pieces that just did not pan out how they were expecting. Gal- Galchenyuk was that pickup they acquired back in the Phil Kessel trade. They needed someone to come into that top one two line and immediately be contribute as a winger. Jason Zucker, since joining the Penguins, they've been three zero and one. He is immediately clicking with Sidney Crosby. Not a hard argument there. When you put any player usually with Crosby, some magic is going to happen. But the <laughs> chemistry they're having um, is definitely noticeable, and they're they're picking up points. The Penguins have been riddled with injury. We've talked about it on the sh- that on the show. Yep. If they can keep this magic, this intensity, they're playing for one another. They've got two goalies that are actually cooperating really well and handling a, a dual share of the workload. We've seen that fizzle out with some teams where someone has to be that number one, and they kind of fizzle under pressure. The Jari Murray tandem is working well right now, and as soon as they can get everybody healthy again, Malkin was a healthy scratch. Um, still don't know really what happened last week, but he or the other a couple nights ago, he should be back. And they'll play Toronto again
0: in a few days. Yeah, and you know, it seems that every single time that we talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins at the start of the year, in the middle of the year, at the end of the year, they are they feel like cup contenders. And it uh, it, it showed a couple nights ago in that Toronto game.
1: They will play uh, Toronto again tonight, I believe. Yes, they will. Yeah, they'll play them again tonight. Um, and a lot of the the talk in the in the post game analysis and a lot of things was the Penguins were playing playoff hockey. Yeah, Yeah. the Maple Leafs were playing October hockey. That was my favorite soundbite and takeaway from that game. Um, And it showed. The Maple Leafs, when you're looking at how the division's shaping up, they have a tough back half of games. They're going to play Carolina. They're going to play Pittsburgh again tonight. Um, When looking at their schedule, yes,
0: they've been consistent, but they could fall out. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when you go back and you look at that 5-2 to two win, Pittsburgh over the Maple Leafs, the Maple Leafs outshot Pittsburgh 36-24, right. to 24, and still, you're talking about immediate contributions from Jason Zucker, who scores on a power play, and looking at 5-on-5, five five, Penguins still outshot the Maple Leafs in terms of shot attempts. Through two periods. Yep. Um, they created more scoring chances in the first period, but other than that, the Maple Leafs kind of controlled the game a little bit. But the biggest thing that I see is that the Penguins had five high danger chances in the first period. Yeah. So they're making although they may not be getting a lot of shots on that, they're making every single shot count. Right. And perfection on the power play and penalty kill. I I in mean that game. It's hard to argue Special teams, especially yeah. at this time of year, you still got teams trying to figure it out. But you know, I would be very surprised if the Penguins at least didn't make it to the Eastern Conference Final. Um, I don't know if they're going to be champions, but you know, last year with this situation in the Eastern Conference, they wore each other down. Correct. And Boston didn't have to really play com have to play competitive hockey in that. Uh, third round against Carolina and that's why St. Louis came as such a shock but you know the Eastern Conference is objectively much better than the Western Conference right Right. Now.
1: and there's been that balance of power for the last few years I remember just it would have been a different conversation five years ago the West was the powerhouse back when you had Chicago LA teams that have now become almost irrelevant in some conversations <laughs> and, <laughs> sorry, sorry to the many Chicago fans that we know are, are listening um <laughs> The, the, thing, the big thing is, though, you're absolutely right. Last year, and you're kind of seeing this happen right now, if you look at that bot that middle chunk of the Metropolitan, Philly, Carolina, the Islanders, and the Columbus Blue Jackets are all in that 70-73 point threshold. Right. Actually, they all are, aside from Philly has a one-game, a half-game lead. Sorry, with 73 points. Carolina was 72. The New York Islands, Islanders was 72. And the Columbus Blue Jackets also was 72. Those four teams are just going to have to go all out these next 24 games. And that was the same situation the Penguins found themselves in. And we're quite frankly tired. And it showed <laughs> in that first round matchup. Or is it second round now? Against the Islanders. The, yeah, second second mm-hmm. round they got swept?
0: yeah, first round? So, yeah. And, um... You know, now looking at the standings, Toronto, right? Toronto has seventy points and they're fourth place, right? They're two points behind Columbus, and Columbus is tied for first place for the wild card. Meanwhile, you scroll down to the Western Conference; they would be the top, they would be the top leaders, right? Right, in 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 the wild card, and they would probably be they would be tied for second place in the Pacific division. So, you know, it's not that the team it's not that the teams in the East are so strong. Maybe it's just that the teams in the West are so bad, or is it a combination <laughs> of both? Yeah, we'll have to analyze that maybe in a later show. I, I mean see what happens. Because in my opinion, I don't think that the Toronto Maple Leafs have played great hockey this no, year.
1: No. No, I think the Maple Leafs are built to score. And yeah. And they don't Take last night, a couple nights ago, when you are down, when you are down five zero against the Penguins, against any team. Yeah, when you are down that that is such a mental game, a hill that you just can't try to climb. Yeah. They, they rallied two pretty quickly, two goals quickly at the end of the second period, and just wasn't enough to capitalize on. Here is the one thing, though. Look at this next stretch of the game of games. Here is where it doesn't look good for the Toronto Maple Leafs. They play Pittsburgh tonight. They need a huge bounce back. They are going. Uh, Back home to Toronto to face the Penguins after playing them two nights ago. They've got Carolina coming up on Saturday. Next week, Tampa Bay. The Florida Panthers. The Vancouver Canucks. Five teams that are all trending in the right direction. We've talked a lot about Vancouver, how well they've played. They acquired Tyler Toffoli in the last few days. Yep they are doing, getting all the pieces they need to help that young talent get a little more veteran leadership. Um, Florida's a team we haven't talked about too much. They've played pretty
0: consistent. They're hanging in there. Yeah. yeah and, and I, I want to talk about Vancouver real quick because, I mean, I, I never suspected that Edmonton and Vancouver would be no. in this race, especially this late in the season. We, we pegged those two as
1: teams that they were going
0: to get hot mm-hmm. and then taper off. Those and three and we Edmonton, were Vancouver, and Vegas have, have hung in there. And we were wrong. We were absolutely wrong. And you know, when you look at the last two games, that was last night was a big opportunity for Vancouver to tie the for first place. Yeah. That was a big opportunity for them to reclaim first place in the Pacific Division. And then uh Edmonton stretches it out to overtime. David Pasnock of the Boston Bruins gets that overtime winner. But still, the Edmonton Oilers got a point. And they're without Connor McDavid, right? And one thing I wanted to mention about the Edmonton team is that Leon Draisaitl played twenty, no, thirty minutes last night. Half so a game. Half a game. And meanwhile, the Canucks just acquired Tofoley. Miller's starting to get hot. I mean, there are a lot of compounding factors to the Vancouver's. Uh, Canucks' success right now, and I'm not quite sure what to expect postseason mm-hmm. with them. But that is a team to watch in this latter half of the year. And they they picked up pieces just when they needed it. If you look in the last ten,
1: last thing before the break here, they were they're four four and two in the last ten. Just when you need some some new energy, just when things are starting to second guess themselves, you're bringing in some talent and some guys that can instantly click in that lineup. Guys like Tyler Toffoli, for instance, who have not been part of a, a successful team all season. They don't want to miss this opportunity. So you bring that that energy and that voice. Also, tell those players on Vancouver, you guys are playing really well. I've been part of a losing team. I've been part of winning teams. You guys have it.
0: Let's do it. Yeah, and they got to run with it. Folks, we're going to take a 12-second break. You're listening to 91.5 WGRE, Count your sound seconds. alternative. Hi, this is Brad Stevens, head coach of the Boston Celtics. You're listening to 91.5 WGRE, home of DePaul University Athletics. Are you awake, folks? Welcome back to 91.5 WGRE, your sound alternative puck talk hour here and we will have christopher martell a member of the preds media here in about 15 minutes we're going to talk all things natural predators hockey and then a curveball at the very end oh i see a little taste (laughs) i wonder wonder what you could be referring to (laughs) but uh we just talked a little bit about the canucks the penguins one team that has surprised me one thing that I never thought that we would be talking about here in the late stages of the season are the New York Rangers. Mm-hmm. Um, New York Rangers, Kreider gets three points in the Rangers' last win. They scored, they allowed, the Blackhawks allowed five goals yeah. in the yeah. third period. Yeah, again, again, I, I said, a little, I said
1: <laughs> the little jab earlier. <laughs> I'm not not unwarranted to take that little take on the.
0: No, and it, it, it'd be one thing if you were just neat little spitting yeah. in the wind, but they allowed five goals in the third period. They had a three to one lead. The Rangers storm back with five goals. You know, yeah. guys like Ryan Strom leading the way. Chris Kreider, like I said, had three points. Artemi Panarin scores his thirtieth goal yep.
1: unassisted. I was going to say the Panarin goal actually is probably the nice, the nice. Uh, Slap in the face of what could have been <laughs> a little wave,
0: a little wave over to to Chicago. The little the little bench wave. I mean, and and, and you know, it's not far fetched to say that if this New York Rangers team continues to get hot, they, they're not out of this race by any means. They may be seventh place in the Metro Division, but they're sitting there. They've got sixty six points which would be right on the cusp of getting into the Western Conference second place wild card spot. They're only trailing Toronto by two points. They've got two games in hand on Toronto. I mean, it's not far-fetched to say that if the Rangers can ride hot goaltending and, you know, five goal third periods, that they could very (laughs) well get back in this race. And, you know... I we have marked off uh, the Rangers pretty much since they were hanging down low with Detroit and uh, yeah. <laughs> Montreal and all of them, and they they don't have an easy e- easy trek this week. They got Carolina on Friday, they've got San Jose on Saturday, and they've got uh, their other New York rival on. Uh, check out check out one more on Tuesday. Check out one more game away. They're playing the
1: Flyers. So, New York has all of the opportunity here. Yep. All three teams they're vying for. And it's, they're going to be playing in the next week. That's a lot. Yeah. A lot of pressure. But they're the only team of that bracket, that group that we've talked about. Columbus, Carolina, and uh, the Islanders. Those teams aren't, tra- aren't trending 7-3 in the mm-hmm. last 10. So, New York can go in there. Steal, disrupt, 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 disrupt the metropolitan. They don't have to beat all three. If you steal one or two, you're all playing in division. If
0: five out of six points is such uh, is such a win, and obviously. But like five out of six points at this stage where they are would just be monumental in terms of getting back in and stealing a playoff spot. And it would be stealing a playoff spot oh, considering right. the way that the Rangers have played this year. Yeah, they'll play. Philly in a
1: back-to-back matchup, so they'll play them Friday, February twenty-eighth, next week, and followed by Sunday, March one. So there's a swing there. They've so really New York's messing around with eight points in the Metropolitan Division in the next week. Eight points. They don't have to win all eight.
0: that's what's on the table. Get six out of eight, and And we could have a different conversation, puck talk, in two weeks of what the Metropolitan (laughs) Division looks like. Yep, and you know, considering that the Penguins are going to stay hot, I think I I just don't think that they're going to slow down. With your words, I'm I'm not going to jinx anything, but I appreciate it. Well, I mean,
1: (laughs) Malkin's coming back in the lineup, and it's hard not to see. And, And the big, you know, we'll have an exciting game on Sunday, Sunday at noon, everybody, nationally televised, NBC matchup. It's
0: the game everybody wants. Is uh, our good friend Mike Emrick? I'm sure he will gonna, be get, gonna call the I'll game. I'll shoot your fr- yeah. <laughs> friend. Yeah,
1: friend friend of the show, Mike Emmerich. Doc the legend will be uh, giving the call. And, I mean, and look, yeah, Penguins, Penguins, Capitals on Sunday. Huge, huge metropolitan powerhouse matchup. Yeah,
0: yeah and you know, I, I what an addition to the lineup Jason Zucker is, and you're talking. Jason Zucker's on a team that sometimes could make it, sometimes couldn't. You know, sometimes is, uh, sometimes hot, sometimes isn't. And then you go on a team with veteran Stanley Cup winners, guys that know this part of the season very well, guys that know how to capitalize on teams slowing down right as March approaches. I mean, this that is such a great addition to a Penguin lineup and I'm not quite sure how you slow the tandem between Zucker and Crosby down. Right. So um
1: yeah if you get get a healthy Malkin, which all signs are looking that way. Uh, Gensel of course is a long term figure. we you know, I, I think Gensel Gensel's gonna probably wait. It'll be a postseason yeah. appearance. Maybe, maybe they get him healthy. But I, I don't think they're they're rushing anything. He's such a young guy. To give him the time, um, and again they're they're playing well right now. Why why rush getting him back into the lineup? Right. But he's somebody you want to see. I mean, gosh, he he's got the he's the youngest point leader postseason. They didn't go too far. He had like twenty one points mm-hmm. a season or two ago. Um, he was a huge piece of the the twenty seventeen cup run. Um, yeah, having a, having Gensel Zucker, of course. The two-headed monster and Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby. <laughs> um, hard to not see this team playing well and continue to do so. Yeah, and just when the they've been playing
0: so well without having people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they just can't get lazy. Is the thing. I and that's not going to happen, especially yeah. with new life in that locker room. And I mean, one team that has just torn the league up in the past. I'd say three weeks has been the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, just storm- we've talked
1: a lot about the Lightning
0: and how they were bad, and yeah. I mean bad at the beginning of the year. They put uh, Stamkos on the third line in November to try to shake things up on the bottom six, and I personally have not watched any Lightning games. I just see Lightning won. That's not new news. No, and if they've, they've been doing pretty well at it, they're they've got the longest streak in the league right
1: now. They've won the last eleven games. They're ten to zero in the last ten. Obviously, they're eleven and zero,
0: really. And they're, they've got the best away record with twenty eight and three. So that's forty three yeah. points on the road. It's not like they've been sitting comfortably at home, you know, behind their own crowd and old right gold gold chant. They've got they've been on the road and they've won eleven games in a row. They've got the most regulation wins. In the league right now, and the only reason that they haven't overcome Boston is because Boston is Can, also matching matching that is matching that yeah hard,
1: hard to bat an eye at Boston. They're nine and one in the last ten. I mean, you got two two teams that are not messing up, and with Tampa Bay, look at that consistency. Home versus away, their stats are almost identical, identical which is really impressive. It's it, we've talked, you know, you mentioned it just now, but the difficulty to play. That type of hockey, at home and away, is impressive. Yeah, especially when we, we looked at them a little bit and they had a they had a rocky start. They played that international game they got a little bit of talent back, a little bit of life, and they've been playing the hockey we expect to see. Of course, the glooming question and the glaring question:
0: Will they do this in the postseason? And that's that. That is the tough question to ask. We've seen this before. I mean, we have and. It's not far-fetched to say that sometimes teams peak at the right time and sometimes they don't. But um, I remember a couple years ago when the Nashville Predators won 11 games in a row in January. I was thinking, oh, this is the team. This is the cup winners Mm -hmm. right here. And then they get eliminated in the second round. Right. So, right, but by, by a by a very hungry Winnipeg team, and you know now that the Eastern Conference has sort of bulked up a little bit and taken on the mantle of the tougher conference, you got to wonder who they face. You got to wonder, you know, who gets home ice advantage. I think it'll be, I think it'll be the Tampa Bay Lightning. But wouldn't you just love to see an Eastern Conference matchup between the? Penguins and the Lightning, yeah. just that fast mm-hmm. back and forth hockey, going nowhere. You know, just it's impossible to get through the trend, to the neutral zone, and then they finally get it. And I mean, I just can't wait yep. to watch the Eastern Conference series, all the games through and through. I don't think that the West is going to change much, but um, looking at the Tampa Bay Lightning, you need four guys to contribute, and they're contributing. You have Kucherov, Stamkos, Point, and Hedman. All above forty-eight points. Yep, they're tearing it up. After that, it sort of gets into that what you'd expect out of the the, the middle six and the, the second pairing defenseman. But overall, the Lightning are just on fire right now, and I don't see them slowing down. No, four teams to
1: talk about, and the question: what what to happen? What's going to happen? with The Devils, <laughs> the Red Wings. The Blackhawks and of course the L.A. Kings. They got to be
0: sellers. I think that the Kings had to Cash be sellers, in. you know, right now at the trade deadline. Get them on good teams. Get star Get veterans. One more cup. Um, teams like Detroit, in my opinion, don't really have anybody that they should sell. No, the the Detroit's been building
1: youth, young talent for a while, so they, they just, just need they- to keep. They invest the time,
0: and they got to suck it up this year. Uh, with the Devils, they've got a pretty big defenseman that they could ship off, and if they wanted to go to the youth route, yeah. Uh, I mean, they've already hinted at that. Getting rid of Hall, getting rid of they of Hall. did all this stuff, and it didn't work. I don't think that they trade PK Subban. Yeah, I think that PK Subban stays. Uh, I would love for him to go to another team. So that he finally gets good goaltending, so that he finally starts playing well again. Yeah. But um, with the kind of numbers he's put up and with the salary that he has right now, I don't think that Is there's that a good spot. Yeah, I don't think that there's anything that the Devils can do. Um, and then poor Ottawa, mm-hmm. poor poor Ottawa. Uh, I I don't know how long that I don't know how long good teams should regress, but what a terrible, terrible couple of years for the Ottawa Senators. From a team that was Eastern Conference Finals. For a team that... 2017. For a team that almost went to the Stanley Cup. Yeah. And just so far... An overtime... A double overtime away
1: oh. for making it to the Stanley Cup. And then just... It and is then nothing has been there since. Deteriorated to... A f- and that helped I me. Mean, at that time, Craig Anderson was playing on his head... Coming back from from health scares, both he himself and his family, um, and yeah, the, that that team, they also moved a lot, right? They they started seeing the writing on the walls and sent a few people.
2: Well,
0: well, and and you look at um, where these guys ended up. Mm-hmm. You, you you look at um, you know where. Kyle Turris ended up where Eric Carlson ended up just a lot Carlson was the big one I was thinking of yeah just a lot of guys that could have stayed with that team and really made a difference and instead they have just fallen off the map and honestly I do feel bad for the Ottawa Senators um and Folks, we are going to take a really quick break. When we come back, we're going to have Christopher Martell on. And you're not going to want to mess it. You're listening to 91.5 WGRE, your sound alternative.
2: April 28th, 1949.
0: WGRE signs on the air, and for the next seven decades, the music never
2: stops. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the formal opening of WGRE. Where did you get that cute look? You
0: look great. Well, thank you, fellas. Oh, hold me close, hold me tight, make me thrill with vibe Go and throttle up.
2: That's one small step for man one giant leap for mankind Is this the real life Is this just fantasy When I'm a walking I struck my stuff and I'm so strung out Music,
0: news, sports, and more great DJs than you can shake a stick at. After 70 years, one thing is certain, we're just getting warmed up.
2: 915. 915. WGRE. Your sound alternative.
1: I'm Vivian. I come from China. What WGRE.
2: Hi, I'm Hiroaki. I'm from Japan. WGRE KITEMAS.
0: My name is Sarah Russell. I'm from the United States, and I listen to WGRE.
1: Hey, I'm Sean King from South Korea. I'm 듣고 to The world listened to WGRE, so why not you? Join us, stay tuned. WGRE, your sound alternative.
0: Your sound alternative. Welcome back to Puck Talk here at 91.5 WGRE, your sound alternative. Joining us now is Christopher Martell, host of Neutral Zone 104.5 and... Let me tell you something, folks. I have been looking forward to this show for a long time. Chris, how are you doing today? Doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for coming on. Now, we teased this a little bit earlier, but we're going to talk about the Nashville Predators right now. So, looking back at their last, I'd say, five games, I think we've seen a completely different team. We talk about... You know the inconsistencies that the Predators have played with, but they beat a tough New York Islanders team. They beat St. Louis twice, but they lose to the Canucks and the Hurricanes. So, why is these? Why is this team just not quite putting it together right now?
2: You know, um, I think there, there's two different trains of thought when you when you look at that. I, I, you can we we can look at it from the point of view of. Hey, they, they, they won three in a row, but they sandwiched in between two bad losses. Or we can look at it from the fact of they've won seven of their past 11 games and they are three points out of the wild card spot, uh, with three to four games in hand on the teams in front of them. Now, I, I, these losses that they've, they incurred in the past week or so, the one, the one in Vancouver being egregious that much, but, um, in Carolina's, in the Washington Carolina it just seems like the Hurricanes have Nashville's number at least a half for the past couple of years. But those being aside, I think Nashville's played some really good hockey over the last couple of weeks, and um, I think the the mental fortitude that they've needed to showcase over the last couple of weeks has been there uh, when it hasn't been there the whole rest of the season. Uh, so I, I'm intrigued to see what happens when they go into uh, this upcoming weekend. Uh, with with games against the uh, Chicago Blackhawks uh, tomorrow or Friday night, and uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets on Saturday, and of course after that they have another three games at home, and and then four uh, a flip flop of four uh, on the, the next upcoming week, the first week of March.
0: Yeah, and you know, looking at this team schedule going forward, they've got a lot of back to backs. They've got a lot of you know one break days, and they they're going to have a very mentally challenging schedule looking forward so is this a good thing for a team that really hasn't found their groove yet or is this going to work against them?
2: No I I think this could be a good thing for them because it's going to give them less time to uh, less time to dwell on on losses that could happen or, or could happen down the road or Um, less time to think about hey, you know, this happened last game, this happened uh, previously what's going to happen here in the future, who's ahead of us, who's behind us, Uh, less time to really think about that and more time to really focus on on the now and what's in front of them Um, that being said, you know there are a lot of back-to-backs, there's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a lot of tired legs with this team and any chance they get for, uh, any chance they get to rest them for a few minutes is going to be something they're probably going to really take advantage of, so uh, you know, March is. I mean, j- just looking at it, there's another, there's one set of back-to-backs just in February alone. Uh, but, excuse me, the rest of February, but in in March, uh, you've got you know one, two, three, four sets of back-to-backs in March uh, over over a total of um, fifteen games, and that, that's all. That's a lot, you know. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how National handles that and how they handle. Um, longer stretches like the 16th or the 18th of March when they have no games, how they handle that in terms of giving their their players a little bit of a rest. So, um, really interesting. It's interested to see how John Hines uh, takes care of all that.
0: Yeah, and, you know, looking at this weekend and then the next week and the next week after that, they're playing seven teams that are on the cusp of either in the playoffs or on the verge of cracking that wild card spot. So, you know, Obviously you need the big guns like Victor Arvidson, Philip Forsberg, Matt Duchesne and um all of those other guys to step up, but Nick Benino has kind of trailed off here in a little bit. So with the trade deadline coming up and with, you know, Nashville clearly needing another defenseman, with the way that Nick Benino's performing, should the Nashville Predators trade him away to try to get a piece in or should they hope he magically catches fire and, you know, leads the team back into the wild card spot?
2: You know, I, I don't really, I don't think the issue. Um, <clears throat> I don't think a lot of Nationals' issue is with is with Nick Benino. I like how he's been playing, especially on the on the line that has put him with Grimaldi and Smith. I think that line has is probably right now. Uh, last I checked, right now is at the top five in the NHL in, in terms of uh, um, production, just from that line alone, and how much it produces on a on a game in a game out basis. Uh, you know, Benino by himself has had three assists in the last five games. And, I mean, he's almost averaging somewhere between 17, 18 minutes a night and uh, over 20 shifts at that much. So, um, Benino um, may not be getting the goals. I mean, he hasn't scored a goal since February 8th. Uh, and he may not be getting on the goal scoring side of things, but I still think he's probably uh, deceptively one of Nashville's better players, especially defensively. Um, that being said, I think what Nashville needs to be looking at, especially in the trade in the uh, – for the uh, potential trade deadline coming up here in four days, is uh, they're going to need some kind of help defensively, and getting help defensively is not going is a not going to be cheap, and and b it's it's not going to be something that they're going to just um, find excessively throughout the NHL. There is not many players that are going to be able to help Nashville in what they're looking for, which is potentially a right-handed defenseman, and uh, and if they do find the correct right-handed defenseman um he's got to make they got to make sure they fit with what Nashville is looking for and you got to fit with the coaching system the coaching style and uh, they can't cost an arm and a leg because Nashville's only got like 3 million in cap space so it's um, <laughs> there's a whole bunch of restrictions of what the preds are looking at in terms of what they could be trying to find uh, come the trade deadline or may not even do anything at all uh, but uh, in my opinion uh, i don't I don't think they need to worry about anything offensively i think uh, you know regardless of uh, it, it, I, I don't know if I don't think if even it would matter if they added a huge offensive piece right now I don't think it would bolster what they currently have I think they have the pieces they need on offense I just think it needs a little bit more time uh, to get the pucks bouncing their way especially the top two lines so uh, I think what they need to focus on is finding some help defensively well, I, I can think of one
0: right-handed defenseman out in New Jersey that could really help right if now. Only, if yeah. only Subban. <laughs> <laughs> um, one piece of uh, of Twitter right now loves to criticize the top players like Philip Forsberg and Matt Duchesne. Philip Forsberg right now has 40 points and, with 18 goals and 22 assists. Honestly, those aren't terrible numbers, especially considering where Forsberg has been throughout his career since he got to Nashville and he's only shooting about 2% lower than his career average, so... You know, why are teams pointing, or I'm sorry, why are fans pointing at Philip Forsberg as the reason why this team can't get going consistently? Because guys like Rocco Grimaldi and Mikhail Glenland and Kyle Torres recently, and of course Nick Benino, have stepped up in, I guess, quote-unquote, Philip Forsberg's absence.
2: You know, I, I really don't think he's been absent. I think Forsberg has done exactly what he's supposed to be doing, and it's just, um, you know, like I alluded to just a minute ago, I just don't think I just don't think pluck is bouncing for him. I mean, you look at what he was doing in the cara, The game against the Carolina Hurricanes, when Forsberg was all across the ice. He was everywhere. He was every everywhere where he should have been, and uh, he was causing uh, just havoc everywhere he. Uh, everywhere he touched the ice, he was just it was. It, it was fun to watch, but the problem with. The problem with, uh, Philip Forsberg um, that's, that's been as of late is just his ability to, uh, produce on a consistent basis. And it's been frustrating. And I'm sure I know it's been frustrating for Philip, but, uh, but in the same regard, I mean, if you're putting shots on net, which, uh, which he's doing, uh, there's not much more you can ask from because, I mean, this, uh, he had two shots on net against, um against the hurricanes i mean that was tied for sixth most among the team but in in a game where you know you're not you're not really uh you're not really looking too high but this is a guy who was second most in expected goal, individual expected goals just for that game alone right behind Ryan Johansson who scored the only goal for the preds so it's not like Forsberg's not doing anything out there on the ice uh, and if if folks want to look at just his production as to what he is and isn't doing with the team. <clears throat> well, I'm, I I would be remiss if I just didn't remind them that without Forsberg on the ice doing what he does on a nightly basis, this is a team that would be getting pummeled night in and night out. I mean, you're you're looking at one goal wins against uh, one goal wins in regulation against St. Louis. Those don't happen without Forsberg on the ice. You have a 5-0 win against the Islanders. That doesn't happen without Forsberg on the ice. Uh, it, it, that He is a key central piece for the Predators. Uh, him, and, him and Duchesne both. And uh, without their presence alone on the ice, uh, Nashville isn't where they're at right now.
0: Yeah, and, you know, it, it's hard to look at two of the best puck movers on the team and say they're not doing enough. And it's really hard to justify criticism for top players, regardless of production, if they're doing what they're getting paid $8 million a year to do. You've also got 13 guys
1: on this roster, all north of 20 points. Only seven current players on this team have below 20. Yeah. And And when you're looking at those guys, it's not... Many of them are in the 28-29 point range. Right. Across the lineup,
0: points are coming in. Points are coming in, but a big problem this year uh, was goaltending for the Predators. And, you know, regardless of what's happening in front of the goaltender, the goaltender is paid to do one thing, and that's stop the puck. So if they fail to do that, regardless of what's happening in front of them, they're not really doing their job. Uh, Chris... I wanted to highlight Victor Arvidson real quick before we got to go to break. He's shooting sure. at 12.6%. He's got 13 goals and he only has 103 shots on net, but his play has not been to the level that we know that he's capable of and he's honestly not playing like the Victor Arvidson we know. Uh Adam Vingan did a tremendous job of writing an article about how he needs to get his legs under him, but is there something else that we're missing out of Victor Arvidsson? I understand that line mates can be switched up here and there, and, you know, Arvidsson went up and down the lineup when he came back from injury uh, last year, but is there something missing from Victor Arvidsson's game other than his speed?
2: You know, I I think it's a little bit twofold, and uh, I I don't think it's speed. I think it's more of, um, I think, I just don't think he's 100%. I still don't think he's 100% coming back from that, uh, cross-check from Bortuzzo, and included with that, I, I think there's a level of hesitation with this play, and it reminds me a little bit of uh, what J.P. Dumont went through in his last couple of years, uh, ranging from the hit he took from uh, um, from Alex Burrows to the one he took from, uh, I believe, Stefan Robidoff from the Stars. Uh, those two hits kind of made him a little bit more tentative on the ice, and, and when you get to a point where you're hesitant with your play and, and you're... And you're looking behind you consistently. I think that can be a kind of a deterrent. I'm not saying that's happening necessarily with with, uh, with Arvidsson, uh, but you can see that he's just he's 100 he's he's 100 not himself, he's, you know. And and I I think some of that is due to coming back uh, from the injury. But at the same time, when you when you take an injury like that, and you're a smaller guy, and you're prone to uh, opening yourself up to a little bit of punishment, especially in front of the, opposing net, um, I think maybe it does take a little bit of a toll on you. So I, I wonder if there is a little bit of a hesitation in the game uh, in terms of you know playing the same style he's always played.
0: Yeah, well, without a doubt. And folks, we're gonna take a real quick break. Stay tuned for more talk from us here at Puck Talk and Christopher Martel. You were listening to ninety one point five WGRE, your sound alternative.
2: Hi, this is Don Mattingly, manager of the Miami Marlins. And you're listening to WGRE, 91.5, Your Sound Alternative. Wow,
0: how did we get Don Mattingly to do a promo for us? Welcome back to 91.5, WGRE, Your Sound Alternative. Joining us right now is Christopher Martell, and we're talking a little bit about Preds, individual efforts from star players, and... Now I'm gonna ask one more question before we go into the curveball that I promised him. But Chris, UC Soros has emerged as the starter. And I don't think there's any question about it. I don't think there's any more debate. I just think that the way those that the way that Pecorini and UC Soros has played, he has emerged as the number one guy. So will he get better? the start against either, will he get the start against Chicago or Columbus? Because those two are still pretty big games but do you want him playing against sort of a sputtering offense in Chicago or do you want him playing against a very tight defensively and offensively team in Columbus?
2: If I'm the Preds I start Pecorino against Chicago uh, for the record that Pecorino consistently had against the Blackhawks. And I put Yuzisar against the uh, against the Blue Jackets. I think you want to go where the points are going to be. And I think you know you need the points when you're facing Eastern Conference opponents. Uh, you definitely need the points when you're facing Western Conference opponents who are behind you and looking to potentially jump up into the standing. Also, when you when you need those points to get further up into the wild card conversation, so uh, with Nashville they have two, they have two good goaltenders um, at their disposal. I, I, I don't think there's any question in my mind that Uzi Saros has has um, I wouldn't say taken the reins of the starting position, but I think he's earned the starting position as of as of late. So I still think that there's going to be a decent split. Uh, of the starts between now and April and if they make the playoffs um, I'm telling you right now don't expect to see Soros in the starting position of the playoffs I I still think it's Pecorino's team so um, that being said I would push I would push Rina to start tomorrow against the Blackhawks and I would put uh, Soros against the Blue Jackets on Saturday
0: that's an interesting perspective I've been saying that UC Soros needs to be in net for the playoffs Ever since that Winnipeg meltdown from Pekarene, it, it,
2: it yeah, there's a lot of people that have, and <laughs> I fully totally understand that. Yeah, <laughs> I just, I just, I just really think this is until until Rene's legs fall apart. This is his team, and especially when it comes to the playoffs, I think it's going to be it's going to be a veteran, established, experienced presence uh, instead of, uh, over UC So I'm not saying he can't do it. I just think Rene would get the get the go to get with if, uh, if and when the playoffs get here
0: fair enough fair enough and um, one more question before before I get into it cuz we're going to talk about this for 10 minutes cuz I know that it's <laughs> going to be a heated debate <laughs> but um okay <laughs> you know are the predators going to sneak in and make the playoffs
2: hmm. that is uh that is the question of the day um you know, it's interesting to look at. Nashville's got two games in hand on Winnipeg, and they're two points behind Winnipeg. Um, they've got four four games in hand on Arizona, and they're three points behind them for the second wild card. Uh, they've got two games in hand on Calgary, and they're three games behind them for the first wild card. And uh, they are ten points behind the Central Division race, tied in games in hand, essentially. So I don't see them getting into the divisional race, But with the games in hand and how consistent they've been playing as of late, and I continue to remind people, seven wins in the last 11 games, and I said it two months ago that Nashville would need two out of every three wins or two out of every three games they were going to have to win. And so far they're doing that. And as long as that continues, they're going to make the playoffs. And There's there's no question in my mind they'll make the playoffs. It's just – you really wonder what's going to happen come March with all these back-to-backs and how much, how much, you know, time to rest they don't have, and I think that's going to be the biggest thing, the biggest question going forward. Uh, but if I'm a betting person right now, I would bet that they make the playoffs as a wild card team.
0: You heard it here, folks. A lot of hockey to play. A lot of hockey to play. And speaking of which, spring training is coming up, so there's a lot it of sure baseball is. to play. We're Just this weekend. Just this weekend. We're starting up. Now, Ben and I have agreed that the Houston Astros, as a team, will lead the league in hit by pitches this year. Um, Chris, obviously, you have to have been following the Houston Astros scandal and everything that's been going on in Major League Baseball with Carlos Correa and Rob Manfred. So, I mean, as, and this always comes back to a talk about ethics. Would you, if you had trained every single day for your whole life to get to this one opportunity to win a seven-game series against the toughest pitching staff in the league, would you use an advantage that could be considered cheating in order to win it?
2: Boy, that is a tough question. Um, You know, uh, ethically... Ethically, to answer that question, I think I think ethically you say no because I mean, uh, and I think to the history of the sport, there's only really ever been two teams that have been um, caught cheating, and which is which is crazy for a sport that's been around for 130 plus odd years, Uh, and you know that's the nineteen the uh, 1919. Chicago white sox, I believe, and the the um the latter Houston Astros. <laughs> so um <laughs> when you when you look at this what it, what it showcases to me is that the teams in major league baseball put the game ahead of ahead of um i guess, I guess i'm not not necessarily winning but um I guess the um the sanctity of the game. Ahead of doing anything to um, to essentially uh, go against that, and I think I think that's how it's been for so long that when you have incidents that happen, whether it's whether it's the Astros, you know, banging on trash cans, or whether it's you know Mark McGwire, Sammy Sosa, juicing up to sure. beat the home run record, um, you really look at this and you have to you have to kind of look at it as a whole, and I think when it comes to something like this, would I, if i presented the opportunity to win a seven-game series and essentially win the championship, um, I think it would be difficult to sit there and say, hey, listen, you know, what we're going to do here, we're going to be able to get away with it because, you know, it, it's tougher it's tougher to live a lie than it is to live the truth. And eventually that lie is going to be exposed. And that's what's happening right now with the Astros is that lie is getting exposed, and, and and poor Jose Altuve is right in the middle of it with his with his buzzer underneath his shirt that's gone from being, <laughs> you know, well my wife doesn't want my shirt to get ripped off to, oh well I have I had a tattoo right. halfway it's done a bad, it's a bad I mean, tattoo you and... see what I'm saying yeah, yeah you see that that's a lie that it's, it's tougher to live the lie right than it is to live the truth and and you know it, for me watching this whole thing unfold. If Rob, if if Rob Manfred could could grow a set for a minute and pull this trophy away, which is called the Commissioner's Trophy, mind you, to pull this trophy away, don't award it to anybody, and just you know, hey, this is 1994 again. You right. know, I, I'm sorry. You know, I mean, th- that's what needs to happen. This this World Series is going to be tainted. The one the Astros won is going to be tainted, and that that's just that's for all intents and purposes that's 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 what it's going to be for all time. It's going to be tainted as the one that they had to cheat to win it.
1: I think that's a great point, and I, your your point on the sanctity of the game is a big thing as well. And I think that's why with this case, for any scandal allegation, that's why this one's become huge. Mm-hmm. You have guys from almost every team speaking up and saying something heading into the the season. We've talked a little bit on the show, anecdotally from time to time, how how baseball, while America's pastime, is struggling. Yeah, attendance is not there to bring to bring fans back into the game. To not alienate anyone and leave anybody burned, I think Manfred is
0: going to need to make that decision. I mean, even Ottawa Senators fans are showing up to their games. <laughs> You know? <laughs> right, the Red Wings. The Red Wings still get their fans. Like baseball They probably ba- are giving them pizza though. Little Caesars place. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They probably yeah. they they're probably just like, "Hey, just take tickets. Just come in." No, it's um, pizza. But uh you have guys like Carlos Correa and Jose Altuve who have been very outspoken in the media, who have been very upfront like, "Yes, we bang the trash cans. No, we don't think it's cheating and all that." But one player I wanted to highlight Uh, Centennial High School graduate and Tennessee native Tony Kemp just came out a couple of days ago saying he asked his team not to bang the trash can for him. And yet he still hit a home run in the World Series. So now you have guys coming out who are on different teams saying, no, 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 I wasn't a part of it. You know, is that kind of a... Is that believable, so to speak? And Chris, this question is for you. Like, is that like because it's obvious that the Astros lied? But even if you're not on the team anymore, is that statement still believable?
2: Um, because it's, it be it's guilty believable because it's guilty by mean, association, right? That's what I'm getting ready to get to. Yeah, it, it may be believable. But if you're in that locker room and you know what's going on, and you you sit there and say, "Hey, just don't do it for me," but you don't try to stop it as a whole, you're guilty by association. So, I mean, you still you still won a World Series with a clubhouse full of cheaters. Yeah, uh, that's the that's the end. That's the end game. I mean, it really is. And you're whether you did the honest thing or not. You have a tainted championship ring, right and that that is unfortunately something that that you know Kemp will have to live with and, and anybody else who is denying you know the having the trash cans uh, uh, trash cans beaten for him you know i mean if 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 they're if you're not part of a solution to fix uh an issue like that, you're still part of the problem,
1: yeah, Kemp's trying to you know good intentions there, but he was you were in the room. He yeah. he had every every insight into what's going on. There wasn't a shock of oh, yeah. I just thought it was annoying. I told him not to do it. No, you knew you knew why they were banging on trash cans. You see, if you also if you specifically ask, hey, don't do that for me. You are acknowledging something
0: something, something else right. and,
1: and realizing and yeah, easy to say right now.
0: And he he asked to be traded, so there is a level of integrity that he's maintaining. But I am just not sure how. You can justify everything that happened. Um, and, and, and that's just that that that's just my take on it. Um, obviously I, I don't wish I, I wish that this hadn't happened, but now that all this information has come out, other than strip the Astros of their title, Chris, what sort of action should be taken? Towards this Astros team, because in college football they ban teams from making bowl games. So, is the should the Astros just be banned from the playoffs?
2: I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult. Uh, it's when you when you look at what could be a justifiable approach to. I guess uh, a, a good a good punishment I think you have to um, I think you gotta do more than what's what's been what's been done thus far I mean what's been done thus far has just been it's been nothing you know and then you, then you look then you look across um, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to get the, the right information but you look you look across the pond in uh, the in the Champions League for Manchester City and they just got a ban uh, recently, and I believe, because um, I, 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 I want to get the facts straight on, on exactly what the ban was, because uh, they they were their band for Champions League play. So essentially, their ban they're banned from playing in one of the top levels of the sport uh, for the next two years. And I think, that's and
1: a, uh, that's a great point too with relegation in other leagues. The <laughs> there's no U.S. market sport that has that lens where. In professional soccer, there's a clear punishment right. and a mechanism that can go in for those teams. When they don't perform well. There is an incentive to continue to play at a high level. With baseball, if you take away the playoffs, what what happens in that regular season? Do they show up to the games. Yeah. Do they stop coming?
2: What, what? And it's, it is. It's frustrating because I mean, you know, Mancha, Manchester City was banned for two years and they were they had a thirty million pound fine. We, I mean, which is which is you know, you look at it and you're like, man, ah, that's a lot. But then you look at Major League Baseball and you say you, you sit here and say, "Well, I mean, we could could we ban the Houston Astros from playing for a year or two? No, you can't do that because I mean, there's uh, this is this not an organization that can be like there's no relegation. You can't bring someone up to, to play in their place. But I, I think the only thing that is reasonable that would be that it's a justifiable action is to take the title. And the, the problem is, that people say, "Well, it's just." uh you know that, that's not going to do anything that's just kind of a just a move on paper well of course it is but at the same time you can sit here and say that that world series is no longer their world series they can't claim it you know they can't say hey we won the world series uh in 20 in 2018 or 20 or, what, what was it 2018 yeah <laughs> and, yeah, I, I forget. I just, but they can't sit there and say, hey, we won it. We, you didn't. It was taken from you. It was taken from you because you cheated. Yeah. And I think, and in my opinion, I think that's really the, the, the biggest step they can take.
0: Well, I mean, folks, I, I don't know how to say it better, right? Astros shouldn't have their World Series, and the Predators are going to make the playoffs. This show went exactly <laughs> as I had hoped it would go. Already here first. (laughs) Well, Chris, we have uh, run out of time, so thank you so much for joining us. uh, And uh, so insightful, and we are very thankful that you came on today.
2: Hey, it was my pleasure. Thank you all for having me.
0: Anytime. All right, folks, that's going to do it here from us at Puck Talk here on 91.5 WGRE. Up next, we're going to have some music on the hour, so you're listening to 91.5 WGRE, your sound alternative